0: We could talk about um, my new switch and how great it is.
1: You got the switch? Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about that then, because clearly, it's not like everyone's been waiting for this uh, us to do this ghost story challenge or anything and give the results away. Let's let's talk about your switch. Mm-hmm. How's it going <laughs> with the switch?
0: It's pretty great. The I got Splatoon two and it's great and everything, but it's basically Splatoon. But I was having a good time and then I bought. Uh, ARMS, and, uh, man, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so much stupid fun. <laughs> and the online mode is fun because it, like, cycles you through different modes, except for the one mode that's bullshit because I'm terrible at it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, the characters are great. Plenty of waifu bait in the game. Perfect. Do, have you guys, uh, seen much of it yet?
1: Um. ARMS? ARMS?
0: Yeah. I've like played ARMS?
1: Uh, Random uh, Encounters did a ARMS musical not long ago.
0: Have you guys picked out your waifu yet? Not yet. Not yet. I oh, haven't gotten God. to play it quite, quite enough. So, before I even started playing, I knew that Min Min was the waifu. Because mm. I love the ramen, and she's Ramen Girl. Like, the name Ramen Bomber is just, like, the best thing, because they all have their titles. And her thing is, she's the Ramen Bomber. <laughs> Which is like the coolest sounding terrorist ever
1: friggin sweet
0: guys I'm playing it right now I mean you <laughs> seriously yeah wow've been, I've been playing it this whole hour that we've been talking
1: oh my god are you we, we gotta concentrate we gotta concentrate on this
0: I can do both I'm actually right now I'm just like punching a, a crappy AI bot to grind to get more to get more fists
1: well whatever keeps you busy I guess. Welcome to I mean, the underarm it's... analysis. Make sure you put that deodorant on as we dive into our <laughs> ghost story episode. Yeah, that was terrible. I apologize what,
0: for that. What is, what is this? It... What is the sound?
1: I I, I think Gracie.
0: So... Gracie, are you all right? Shut up, I sneezed. <laughs> I don't know where
1: she All
0: right, all right.
1: Oh God. Uh, hey, I hope
2: everybody enjoyed the sick. I hope
1: everybody enjoyed the sick mashup I did. Of how about, the theme? How about bless you, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, gesundheit, Alan. How did everybody enjoy that sick
0: mashup I did? It was so sick, guys.
1: <laughs>
0: D- David, uh, David, can I get just like two seconds of it right now?
1: Sure. Here it is. All right, I hope you enjoyed that's, that. That's all I needed really. Okay, good. I'm, I I am I am legitimately pleased how well that turned out. It kind of surprised me too. Um, I, ca-
0: I kind of needed that to invigorate me because don't get me wrong, I had a good time reading the stories and everything, but reading guys, the 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 the, the jokes about me being illiterate they're they're not hyperbole. It really is difficult for me to read. Uh-huh. It is a challenge.
1: Uh, well, this was certainly a challenge uh, for us, just as much as anybody who entered, because uh, we had 49 entries by the end of this. 49. Mm-hmm. Like, how... Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we... Jesus. We've spent a long time evaluating the many multitudes of ghost stories you sent us. Uh, some of them literal, some of them Symbolic, some of them intriguing, some of them
0: arousing.
1: Oh, I, I a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, ghosts are sexy. I mean, you you you've all seen Ghost with Patrick Swayze.
2: you have all seen Ghostbusters.
1: We got a story submitted to us called Swayze.
2: Go
0: dumb
1: yeah. and yes, go
0: crazy. <laughs> Who's that driving? Patrick Swayze. <laughs> there we go.
1: And yes. Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, I was I
2: was disappointed that not one story about Ghost Riding the Whip made it into this
0: contest. <laughs> People, if you have not seen the national treasure that is the Mr. Fab music video, Ghost Ride the oh, Whip. Oh my God! I love. Okay, so everyone, go watch that because you need to. But there's a part in it where he's saying, where the rapper is saying, "Go dumb." Uh, go crazy oh, oh no it's a different part he says um, you know you know you know now you know and he just says that and there's a white guy in like a lab suit with a clipboard and he's like he's making this facial expression of like I don't get it I don't understand I am a middle class white guy and then <laughs> and then Mr. Fav points at him and just smiles and then and then the white guy is like I get it now <laughs> and it's, it's all it
1: takes you it know it, it's, it's all, all it, it takes
0: it's some of the best cinematography I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh here's how we're gonna break this down. I just want to put this out there. Here's, here's how we're gonna break it down. We have out of these uh forty eight, forty-nine stories, uh, we have picked four to share like the contest before, but we're judging it a little differently because there were so many and they're so varied that more often than not our our we can't do it like like on a you know, weird place award then first then second then third or uh, third second first place we each picked our one of our favorites to to sort of carry forward each of us has a judge's pick and there's one story that had just enough of a cross correlation between our favorites that's going to be our winner um so I figure we'll start with the judge's picks
0: who, who are we doing first
2: um oh, I, so are they are, are these uh, second favorites essentially
1: oh no these are these are favorites okay essentially there were, here's the thing there were a, a lot of these were submitted and overall the presentation was very strong we had 48 stories and uh, one poem actually we had one mm-hmm. poem submitted to us so and, we're, uh, and it, I
0: think we should, I think we should do. Uh, Alan's story, my story, David's story, and then our winner. winner. Okay.
1: That sounds good to me.
0: Um, uh, but before we do that, maybe we should talk about our like honorable mentions.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's let's drop a few honorable mentions in there and we'll start we'll go we'll we'll round table this a little bit. So why don't we do do the same order? So Alan, you wanna I'm gonna put you on the spot. You wanna mention an honorable mention right now?
2: I do. Um my honorable mention will be Phantasmal Prophets.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Phantasmal Prophets rolled with the idea of a uh, paranormal show like Ghostfuckers.
0: Uh, <laughs> Ghostfuckers International. <laughs> mm. I don't but, like this. I don't like this. But
2: yeah, had had, it, had a neat little swerve at the end. Um, mm. Yeah, I really like that story. I, I don't know like, who wrote it. It was you a noble. Give, you I'll, I'll, didn't give me the uh, authors. <laughs>
1: no, I'm gonna reveal authors as we go along for who submitted. But I will say for this one, uh, I liked that it was an attempt at doing uh, a story with nothing but dialogue. Yes. Um, the swerve at the end was fun. Um, I definitely think uh, in it can be. Uh, I think some of the dialogue can be tightened up a little bit. But I kind of like that it was it, the whole thing felt kind of goofy the whole way through. Yeah. Mm and i like that because that's to me synonymous with a ghost hunter show
0: and i think um, that didn't place in the, as high as it should have because it was designed to be spoken yeah it it, it was designed to be a script and um, i dare think it I would say have a, a midnight snack yeah, it, it would be stronger that way than the way that we received it. You know, yeah, it true. almost it almost seemed like a work in progress. It, it it was like a document to build on more than the finished thing itself. You know.
1: Yeah, um, I, I I concur there. So uh, to let me see here, so to Alex Hatsberger, sci-fi sci guy hats, uh, I say thank you for Phantasmal Profits, and uh, if if that. I mean, it could it could work. I might I might get in touch with you about adapting that one. Not does not that it needs that much adaptation. Just just putting that out there is a fun little fun little midnight snack.
0: Well, it it does need a significant amount of adaptation. It needs people saying, it. well, yeah, it needs, it needs production instead of to be a story. But uh, clearly, I mean, we we've, we've talked with him before. He he knows what's up in terms of writing.
1: Right. Uh, I will mention Alex was just uh, a guest on uh, the Witching Hour, where we talked about um, role playing games, and uh, that was a good episode. It's a, uh, at the time of this episode coming out, um, we recorded. We're recording this just after that episode, but it should have been out for a little while. So go check out check it out on the Witching Hour, uh, creativehorror com if you don't know about that already, or witchinghour.com, I should say.
0: Okay, so I guess guess it's my turn to give an Honorable Mention? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with the one that Soberdorf wrote.
1: (laughs) The one that Soberdorf actually did not write? Because, no, he didn't write it.
0: Yeah, I'm like, which ones are are your Honorable Mentions, guys? And I'm like, the one that Soberdorf wrote, and then it turns (laughs) out he didn't write it. But I didn't write it because I thought... I didn't pick it because I thought Soberdorf... Uh, was the one who wrote it. I just thought it was uh, the most interesting concept that deserved to be uh, mentioned. It was, I met a man who played Magic the Gathering, and it's about a... The, the narrator has um, is kind of feeling lonely, kind of feeling as though he doesn't have a sense of community, uh, is moved out of his parents, dropped out of college because college wasn't working for him, and it was um, too much of a workload. And he, um, walking home, not walking home, He he's out one night walking around and sees a guy at a um, public picnic table bench kind of thing, playing, shuffling a deck of magic cards. And he runs home, grabs a deck, and starts playing with this person who, I mean, come on, we know it's a ghost story, so it's ultimately revealed that the person he was playing with was a ghost. Mm. And um,
1: No Dusty, it's Leparkin.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to give uh, too much away, but I will be uh, reading this one dead serious and giving my uh, feedback to this story because I I I think that it deserves attention.
1: Um, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and I there there are things about it that I really liked. I almost wanted more out of it. You know.
0: Yes, uh, I think that the person who wrote this was. Afraid of scaring off people who don't know about Magic the Gathering, like myself. <laughs> but the information that should have been included should have been easily Googleable. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'm sure they I'll talk about that the day that this goes up. I'll, I'm sure I'll have a video out on. Uh, I'm uh, I met a man who played Magic the Gathering. Very very interesting little story.
1: I um, I like the the nods that were in there. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, um, for someone who does love Magic the Gathering and has mentioned it several times, uh, yeah, I think actually putting more, even little things about the game in there as if it's just casual talk, uh, would, w- will strengthen the story. And, uh, but I liked it. I like it. I like the concept. I like where it goes. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it, uh, what Dead pals take on it on Dead Serious. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Alan?
2: Um... I, I I did really enjoy the nerds. One. He, yeah. Uh, a um, popped
1: in for a second to say that. That was clearly his voice. That was clearly his voice yes. just now.
2: Um. It's he popped in here and he had several destroyed Blue Yeti
0: microphones. Um,
1: <laughs> he left them all over the place. What a
0: dick. Yeah. He has a. Uh, a bangle full of just broken Blue Yeti mics.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: No, uh, this was
2: a good story. And uh, I, I, having played me some magic in the past um, before I touched a boob, um, <laughs> uh, really, really, uh, yeah, I really would have liked it to go deeper into Magic the Gathering stuff, but you're right. It it did feel a little bit like they were uh, afraid of alienating. It, it's like they listen to the show and know that only one of us play <laughs> play it.
0: <laughs> ah.
1: uh, so I will now reveal the author of that story was Lion O'Day.
0: Ooh. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. So Lion, thank you for your submission. Look for it on Thank Dead Um I'm gonna go ahead and give a uh, my honor my next honorable mention. I don't know if we're gonna do this twice because there, again these are so good. Um, I'm gonna give my next honorable mention to the untitled story that was set in Japan. Um, I like the framing device for this one a lot. Um, I thought it had a good sense of uh, uh, pacing of uh, the setup for the the universe. Uh, uh, when we were trying to when we were debating where the judging went, uh, one of the things that came up, and I believe uh, Brandon brought this up, was that we we liked the idea that our protagonist was not a weeb for once. It was someone who's just going to Japan to uh, you know for a vacation to relax to take pictures, and uh, it has some. Fun J horror elements to it that um, are not are are not greedy. It never gets greedy with the the horror it does. You know,
0: it's um. I'll tell you what the story is, and I can sum it up. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. The story is Fear and Loathing in Japan.
1: Yeah, basically, there's a lot of sub. There, oh, there's there's just enough substance abuse in this that uh, you wonder how much of it is authentic. You know, and the, um, the, the, the it, author it, even says so. The author, the narrator even says so himself.
0: And there's the whole... um, I I like it when stories do this. Could it be the conditions I was in, i.e. drugs, um, but there is a hint of it can't be drugs because of what happened. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of these uh, honorable mentions I'm probably going to tackle in Dead Serious because there's just too many... Stories for us to read on Undercooked Analysis. Oh, of course. So, so um, again, we had 49 different stories. So we're gonna we're gonna have a, have a good backlog of dead Serious to do as these are going up too. Oh, you bet. <laughs> so uh, look forward to that one as well. Yeah, I'm, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna title the story now. I'm now titling it Fear and Loathing in Japan.
2: I'm gonna <laughs> since it was untitled. <laughs> And I'm going to make this point, I mean, I feel like it, it's one we make every time, but holy shit, this was hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, this was incredible. Um, there, This had more consistent quality than I think any of our other contests, but, and and those didn't have inconsistent quality.
0: Yeah,
2: but this this contest was fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh but it's also made me decide that I think when it comes to my turn, uh I think the uh rules of my next contest are going to be hey, hey, um no uh no topic, no technical word limit. You have 3 sentences. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You just yeah. read sentences to tell me it a there, scary
1: story. There weren't a lot of hard limits on this one, I will admit, and uh, I, this is kind of an experiment to see what happens when there's not a ton of hard limits on the uh, the theme or the idea of a story. I think uh, I'm gonna be passing the hat back to uh, Brandon again for the next one, so and then uh, and then Alan after that. We'll keep kind of the same order, so. Oh, yeah. in case, and in case you guys are wondering there's, if there, why there's a distinct lack of Kayla, uh, Kayla has opted to bow out of this one. She's been very busy and didn't have uh, a, a chance to really go through the stories as well as she'd like, but uh, she trusts our opinion on this one, and so I want to say, Kayla, uh, thank you, and uh, mad props and all that jazz.
0: And uh, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I had a very clear-cut plan, for what the next contest was going to be, but after this, I'm actually considering something else. What mm-hmm. I saw out of this, since we have a more vague topic, what of ghost, I think the things that were the most successful though are things that were experimenting and taking risks. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um some of our witters even have like writing problems here and there, but they're they're so interesting and unseen before that they ended up being our winners, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if Alan wants to give another honorable mention. Uh, I do.
2: Yeah, let's, each uh, do one, let's
1: each do one more honorable mention.
2: My uh, next honorable mention is Distilled Spirits. Uh, this one...
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention. The uh, Fear and Loathing in Japan... Uh, was written by Jane Pyra. Mm.
0: Hmm. I don't think I've seen that name before.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a new one. But I uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank
2: you. Distilled spirits. Uh, I liked that one. Um. Neat, weird little story. Um. Uh, it has some. Some classic ghost story elements to it, mm-hmm. um, with with a bit of a twist, and I do I do like that little twist in there.
1: Yeah, I I recall it being fun and and subtle, and again, I like stuff like that. So
0: yeah, do we want to run down what it's about? Because essentially, it's about. Um, a married couple who has a rose bush that they want to get rid of, but they want to turn it into a rose wine, and upon starting to ferment the rose petals to become rose wine, bizarre and weird things start to happen. And uh maybe we won't give away the ending, but I'll I'll definitely uh tackle that one too. <laughs> it's
1: another dead serious contender, that's for sure. There's a lot and, of dead serious contenders on here.
0: <laughs> I'm probably gonna end up doing like Ten or so of them, because I think that there were a lot of ones where there were small mistakes that I think could be improved on, mm. but were just such strong, interesting concepts that I feel that they need to be promoted and given attention. But right. there was a there was a um, a story, I believe it was written by Abysme that kind of almost felt like a prequel to to uh, this one. Oh, really? Yeah, because I remember doing It on Dead Serious, and it was about um, a, a lady who was uh, teaching this person how to be a gardener and everything. It was really cool.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, anyway. I do remember that one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, that story is credited, uh, Distilled Spirits, is credited to Dan, a.k.a. Urkelbot666.
0: Urkelbot. <laughs> Again, it's cool that we see names coming up that we don't know. You know, yeah, uh, I feel like I recognize that one from the Discord. Yeah, okay.
1: um, I mean, there's there's quite a few of the two spooky, like uh, two spooky regulars in here, uh, which is nice to see. That community has grown quite a bit, and it's good to see that people are stretching their creative muscles and demonst- and demonstrating that they can tell fun, interesting, and eerie stories.
0: I was a wrong, like this. I was thinking of uh, Red Roses written by the Lawlet Tin. Feels like a pretty cool to this story.
1: Oh, okay. That, that was that was not Abysmy. That was Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um I believe you're next.
0: Well this is this is getting difficult because I was going to I thought Alan was going to talk about the period demon, uh which is also good. I, uh, period Demon is definitely getting red. But um uh, yeah, I'll I'll pick a period demon. Demon. It, it was just in your vagina, very Carrie-esque. I loved it.
1: <laughs> uh involves some cool uh fun little things involving uh like sort of neo-paganism. Yeah. And uh not like yeah. demoni, and not demonizing it either. Like a, a ritual gone wrong, inviting the wrong kind of spirit in and uh and it doesn't have a, and it's left open-ended. The ending is is left very uh, ambiguous about what happens next. It has a bit of, like, black humor to it.
0: You know what it felt like? It it didn't demonize it. It was like this thing went wrong. It was kind of like, um, if you ever see, like, people who do BDSM have little confessionals about, here's this stupid thing that happened in the world of BDSM. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like an insider perspective. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's uh, a thing that I really enjoyed about it. Um, I liked the ending, where the person really didn't know exactly what happened, but posits a number of potential um, reasons for the quote-unquote haunting, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. The, the monthly haunting. <laughs> the um, the not-so-monthly like, like, haunting.
1: One of the things I liked about the story is there's a point where the uh, looking for answers, our our narrator goes to her coven leader, and like yeah, the, and I liked that moment quite a bit. Just like, oh, I, I see what happened. I'm glad. Like, no, there's no real shame involved. It's just like, look, kid, I'm sorry, but you done goofed. You have a, you have a demon in your in your uterus now. Who knows what it wants? Um, I will. That is credited to Morty slash Mord thirty three. Morty. Or Morty. I don't yeah. Morty Morty, you gotta you gotta get the demon out of your out of your out of your vag, Morty. It's right up in there. You gotta get it out.
0: Gotta sh- gotta shove that tampon way up in there, Morty. <laughs> Alright, uh
1: is it it's, it's background to me then? Yep. Alright, since uh we're only doing this twice, I'm gonna mention one that I know both uh, Brandon and I enjoyed, and that is uh the curse of William Shockley. Um, this one is kind of a Silicon Valley ghost story, and, uh, it's very much sort of just like, ex uh, initially the story is sort of about explaining the events and circumstances that led to this moment, very detail heavy, very, uh, encyclopedic, um, matter of fact, and then has a really neat concept that gets introduced at the end for this, uh, around this sort of Urban legend that is set in the uh, the digital age or the evolving digital age. Um, I really I really enjoyed this one in terms of like uh, what happened and kind of based on true events because you can actually look up William Shockley and find the information on him and it correlates with a lot of what happened in the story. Obviously, there's some bits here like well, here's where the legend part kicks in, but I liked what uh, was uh, being accomplished with um, with the story um, and. I think it has a really neat premise. Especially um, at the end.
0: Ash can as fuck? Yes. <laughs> um, if we were giving an ash Ashcan award for this one, this one would definitely win because of just how many details and, and, and the kind of story that it is. Um, that said, I will not be talking about this one on Dead Serious. I want to contact the author and just do a straight reading of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, my tentative plan, is to... Talk to the author and see if I can get permission to make a video out of this.
1: All right, uh, Alan.
0: Who, who is the author of this?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. The author is uh, the author is our old friend Abysme.
0: Oh, uh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just as I was like, "Hey, let's!" It, it's so cool that we're getting all of these new people that I don't know about. Then Abysme shows up. Who should read? His ugly head. No. Microchips. That's a
2: business.
1: So with our honorable mentions out of the way, let's get to our, our personal uh, judges' picks for the our favorite stories and then our winner. Uh, we might have to split this up over a couple different episodes, but I think what we'll do is we'll do the first two... And then, uh, we'll wrap up with, uh, we'll, we'll do, um, I guess, Alan's, then Dead Palettes, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll wrap up with mine and, uh, the winner.
0: Sound good? Let's, let's go for it. So, Alan. Sounds good. So, um, yep, you're dumb. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes. Ouch. Um, I'm sorry. Which which one?
0: <laughs> it's fucking your story, dude. No, that's not what
2: I meant. I know which one my favorite story was. Are we reading my favorite story, or are we reading yes the one Never I kind of picked as second place?
1: We're we're reading your your favorite story.
2: Okay. okay. Cool. My favorite story, everybody. Fucking dicks.
0: Um. <laughs> Fucking dicks, that was a great story. Yes, uh, fucking dicks. I used to play bass for the fucking dicks. <laughs> um, God damn it. Hashtag, hashtag I used to play bass for.
2: My story is called An Interview with Robert Leslie.
1: And this is by... Let me get that credit pulled up.
0: Uh, the fucking dis- dicks. <laughs> uh,
1: let me make an sure inter-
0: an interview with Robert Leslie, the debut album of The Fucking Dicks.
1: <laughs> this is by Lucas Gelati. Or Gelati? It's either one of those. Lucas Gelati. Lucas
0: Gelati. Thank you, Lucas Gelato. How is that spelled?
1: Uh, G-E-L-A-T-I-E.
0: God damn it, if this is Slime Beast. <sighs> oh my god, what if it is? Slime beast? Is this you? G-
2: Gelati, as in gelatin.
1: I'm gonna look at the. God damn quick. it! Are you... <laughs> Let me find out. Hold on. We're gonna get to the bottom of this mystery. Uh, hang tight for a sec, folks. We're gonna. I'm gonna confirm this.
2: Hey, we're back, everybody. Sorry, yeah, I don't so... have to be. I don't, don't have worry. to be unnaturally angry
0: anymore.
1: <laughs> it's not. It's not slime beast. Lucas is a real person. I hope.
0: I'm starting to think that like, slime beast is just the Roger of our group. He keeps showing up in different costumes <laughs> with fake names. This story is written by Kit Niles.
1: Oh no! Hey, uh, last uh, our we, the results from our. We'll reveal the results of our last poll. A little later, but uh, it was interesting, I'll say the least. We'll do that when the next uh, Dumb Angel part comes out.
0: Okay. Um, Do do we cut this out, but do we want to just read our own story that we select?
1: Like, just read the whole thing straight through?
0: Yeah, I'm just putting that out there.
1: Sure, we can do that. It might go a little faster.
0: Okay.
2: An interview with Robert Leslie. A few days ago, while I was looking through old newspapers in the public library, I found this interview with a cameraman named Robert Leslie. The end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the murders began.
2: Mm-hmm. The name didn't ring any bells, but apparently he retired early and lived as a recluse. And I noticed they mentioned name of silent movie star Buster Keaton, so I started reading it. What I read was rather... weird... It began with short questions about his life and work, but ended with something I didn't expect. The newspaper seemed real enough, so I assumed this guy was making it up to make some easy bucks. The worst, though, is that searching about him, I found... (coughs) (coughs) Yep. I found out he died, just shy of a week after giving this interview. Apparently of natural causes. Hold on, I have a copy here, I'll read some of it for you. So, Leslie, I heard you worked with Buster Keaton. Could you tell us what that experience was like? I could, but you probably wouldn't believe me. What do you mean? Ah, okay, okay, I'm old now. I guess it's time to tell someone about it. That television in the corner of the room isn't plugged in, right? Okay. You see... He wasn't really like any other actors I worked with. My cousin, Elgin, who had worked with him in the past, warned me about his overwhelming presence in the set, but really, you had to be there. It was like we were working while carrying 50 pounds of sand in our backs. At first I thought it was just the workload, but the more the time passed, the more I noticed strange things happening during filming. For starters, I never saw Keaton speak. Surely, motion pictures had no sound back then, but even when the cameras were off, he always seemed to communicate through gestures.
0: So that's um, a pretty cool little conceit right there of, like, something is really off about this guy.
2: Yeah, and just the idea that he was a silent movie star who actually just didn't speak and communicated the way people do in silent movies.
0: Yeah. And um that gets elaborated on later as to why that makes sense, but so far it's it's very realistic and it's a second-hand account, I guess it would be third-hand account of something off And so it makes sense that there's not a whole lot of proof for whatever is about to transpire, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing is, people always
2: understood what he wanted, even without a word said. You'd think there'd be at least some misunderstanding with him not saying a single word, yet things always went just like he wanted to. He was in control of everything. I worked on a couple of his pictures before I saw it. During the shooting of College, a few extras were needed in the set. He always asked for more extras than we needed, some which I didn't even notice in the final picture. Keaton signaled for one of the men to come closer. And in the blink of an eye, Keaton and the man exchanged places. I, I might be old now, but... I know what I saw. Keaton appeared in the place of that man, and where he was standing before, a very distressed Snitz Edwards materialized. Edwards. He... I think he was in a previous picture we shot. We hadn't seen him in days. He could barely stand up, while Keaton walked away to prepare for his scene. At first I got... Okay. Yeah? No, go ahead. At first I got too scared to say anything, thinking I might have had a bad night of sleep and was seeing things. But at the end of the day I saw him again and asked if he was okay. And just what happened there. <clears throat> he looked at me, sweat dripping from his forehead, visibly shocked, and said Pretend He's you be Yes. Arms, Arms heavy. <laughs> heavy i in on a sweater
0: already. God damn it. Mom's Ima- spaghetti. Imagine a uh, a silent film version of 8 Mile. Oh my god. The the rap battle they just go back and forth and there would be a, a giant wall of text.
1: <laughs> and uh then you need a, a ragtime piano version of this of the music playing in the background. Yes, the whole time.
0: But there wouldn't be any spaghetti, because at that time, Italians were, were not were not well-liked in America. <laughs> Some of that goddamn Italian food.
1: <laughs> God damn it. All right, Alan, Alan carry on.
2: Visibly, sh- uh, he looked at me, sweat dripping from his forehead, visibly shocked, and said, Pretend you didn't see that. Stay as far away from Keaton as you can. The less you know, the better. He grabbed me by the arms. Stay away from him. And I tried to do just that. We wrapped filming. I went to shoot other pictures, but when they called me to work on Steamboat Bill, I really needed the cash, so I said yes. In retrospect, I should have just waited for something else to appear. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I'm still a little confused by the bit where it says he switched places with Snitz Edwards. Do we know who that is?
0: I don't uh, think he switched... A, f- it's a famous actor.
1: Okay. From but, the silent okay, film era. I'm trying to understand. He was, was born in, in Austria-Hungary
0: and campus. died in Los Angeles, California, because I just did a quick Google search. Okay, thank you um
1: the man exchanged places the was the man i mean did he change places with a random man or was it the or did he not recognize that the yeah the, the, did leslie not recognize that the man was snitz edwards until they th- jumped places
2: i think he changed places with a random guy and snitz edwards
0: appeared yes
1: keaton and the man exchanged places okay so like okay
0: so it's just like the rules of reality are being broken. Yeah, and, and you so, know, it's, so the extra, it's, it's,
1: the extra, the extra basically disappeared. They switched places, and where the other guy should have shown up, instead it was Snitz Edwards.
0: Yes, and so the point being, instead of doing something that is maliciously wrong, it's something that is like innocuously impossible.
1: It's uncanny. Yes, which is very. Bu- And, you know, again, this is all going along with how you would perceive a silent film, too, you know? Like, you can picture that switch as, like, a weird uh, jump cut. Yes. Or not a jump cut, but, like, you know, the cut where someone's one place, they jump, and then, you know, easy early camera tricks, but in real life.
0: Correct. I think that's that's, kind of the deal that they have going on.
1: I like it. I just wanted to point that out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Alright. So, a
1: few days into filming.
2: Yeah, got it. So, a few days into filming. um, I was waiting for everyone to arrive, pretty much alone in the set, aside from three men moving props. They didn't seem to notice me, but I remember thinking it was funny how... All three of them are wearing matching outfits and pork pie hats, just like Keaton. I approached them to help, and they all looked at me. They were Keaton. They were all Keaton. The three men with the same dead look on their faces. I was very confused, but before I could say anything, they all started screaming. Their, their eyes turned gray. Sharp teeth grew from their mouths, and the noise. It wasn't like anything I ever heard a human voice do. At the time, I could only compare it to heavy rain on a metal roof. But it was so loud that I thought I'd go deaf.
1: Hmm. I'm not crazy about that paragraph. I'm just going to point... I'm just going to... Be honest.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of like this. I I actually kind of like this story because it was so fucking weird. Yeah,
1: but I almost um, I think I almost feel like it would be more effective. It was just three Keaton's. They all started screaming, and then he freaks out and runs away. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if they needed to turn all demonic.
0: And that, and that's the thing. There's yeah. kind of the fear in that because this is clearly not a. Uh, th- this is the kind of horror story that we like. That's not a run of the mill horror story with a um, simple setup and delivery. Right. This this is really bucking a lot of trends, and so it makes sense that you get what I call that: is this horror insecurity? Like, is this horror? I better push it over the limit. It didn't need to yeah. be pushed over the limit.
1: No. It the, the the you've already got us hooked with the uncanniness, you know. So yeah, uh, I just I I feel like you could lose that paragraph and you wouldn't actually lose anything in from the story. It would still be just as effective. That's all. That's all I'm going to interject here since we are still busting out the analysis angle.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I ran as fast as I could and never returned to the set. For quite a while, I refused to talk to my cousin whenever he tried to contact me. After a few years, I found out he had retired after working with Keaton in his next picture. The cameraman. I've never seen it. I feared it was the message to me. Did, did you ever get back in touch with Elgin? Yes, but when I finally talked to him, he was a changed man. He looked tired, like he hadn't slept in days. After some catching up... He told me escaping was the best thing I could have ever done. You left before it was too late, before he started controlling everything. Keaton is not a man. He is... something else, he said to me. You know, Elgin called me the night before he died. It was late at night. I didn't understand much, but I remember him saying... He's everywhere, Robert. He's everywhere. The next day, he was found dead at his house, of natural causes. Neighbors called the police because they were concerned by a loud sound that was continually coming out of his apartment. The sound was coming from his television set. The rain. He is everywhere. You can't escape from him. He is everywhere
0: huh, okay.
1: And there you go.
0: And there you have it. It's kind of like uh, my personal interpretation of what Slender Man is, which is like from another universe where this person comes over and they don't necessarily mesh with the quote-unquote like coding of our universe. And uh-huh. so they're kind of breaking the laws of reality a little bit, kind of yeah, teleporting yeah. and glitching around and doing weird, bizarre things like that. So it's kind of this behind the, look, behind the scenes look at who was a, a revolutionary actor. Mm-hmm. I, I really uh, enjoyed the conceit of this story.
1: I also enjoyed the conceit of the story, even as I say, and I say this with love too, I feel like there are things where it toes into sort of horror tropes that it doesn't need to do because the conceit of the story is already so good.
0: Well, there's also the element of... it's. This is going up the same week that It is coming out, and the original It had... had a similar kind of premise of like this supernatural creature that there's also a scene in that movie where it itself, Pennywise, has these weird teeth seemingly for no reason. hmm Um it, it, it really brought that to my mind.
2: Well, I, I I'd get into more, but I'm probably gonna be talking about it on the witching hour. But <laughs> um Fuck it, I'll say it. With it it makes sense because the, the goal of it is specifically to scare uh, whoever it is attacking. Um Anyway, yeah.
1: Makes sense. But um I mean I don't know. I I think this story I think it's a strong story. I just feel like the he is everywhere, you can't escape him, he is everywhere. The the remember the, the whole idea is that this is being printed in a newspaper. Yeah. So it just seems like some some parts of it feel a little odd, especially when it's going through like an editing process and and being put in a, in this newspaper in this interview. I understand that there's the uncanniness of finding this weird thing, but I almost wonder like would they have printed certain parts of this? You know.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm and, just and saying. I think
1: it's. I think it's solid. I think it's great, and I. I really. I'm really digging the. Uh, I'm really br- digging the whole. The whole idea of it. I love the. I. I love this like weirdness involving Buster Keaton. Uh, there's just. I think. I think it could be expanded and cleaned up just a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Right. No. No. I get that.
1: Yeah. Um. But I, I it's a solid choice. It's a solid choice for uh, for a personal favorite. And I I agree with you that I think it where where it works it works really well.
2: okay. Yeah. All right. That was my story.
1: Cool. That was a good choice. Uh Brandon, who? you want to
0: dub tackle here? who who wrote this?
1: Yeah, this was. Uh, we did tackle who wrote this because we were like, "Oh, yeah. oh God, what?" Did this oh, like gelato.
0: Like? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So, so Lucas, thank you for uh, sharing this with us. And, thank um, you, Luke. Congratulations. Thank you,
2: Luke Gelato.
1: We're like much like Anthony Bedroom.
2: <laughs> Tony Bedroom.
1: Tony Bedroom, <laughs> you've earned your your ECA title, um, and you've earned the Alan, the you've earned the. Uh, I want to say Alan Cheney, but I don't know what you go by anymore. Um. What seal of approval are you going to stamp on this?
2: Um. This is getting the uh the uh. uh, uh there's a lot of buildup and it's not going to be funny. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> um. Alpaca. Okay, <laughs> good, horse.
0: the
1: alpaca horse noise.
0: <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Alpaca horse noise? You get the alpaca horse noise seal of approval. Because,
2: uh, Excuse me while I change my Twitter handle.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, Dead Pallets, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: Um, my winner is, uh, my second place. My selection is my second place story because, uh, my winner is the one that we all agreed on is going to be the winner winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my second place is, uh, Vicar's Litany Phenomenon.
1: And are you ready for the reveal? Yep. This was written by, drumroll please, Hyperthermal.
0: Very nice. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, so uh, since we are doing the thing where we are reading uh, the story on our own, Mm -hmm. good luck.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I'm I'm into this. I'm about this. All right, go for it. Uh, Despite the absolute dominance of the Internet, there are still many events that cannot yet be explained, much less known in the public consciousness. The Vicar's Litany is one such phenomena. Not given any serious thought by paranormal experts or online communities, despite there being at least eight confirmed instances of its occurrence on record, the most recent of which occurred in Nevada, the summer of 2006. This five-stage event has recurred in different time periods all across the globe, each case following the same series of events. The details of this phenomena and its history are discussed by an obscure online organization known as the VLO that claims to have roots in the 1800s.
1: Sir, are we about to fall into a SCP entry?
0: Kind of, is this is kind of the deal, is that this has a very bizarre SCP kind of vibe to it, where this phenomenon keeps cropping up, but it's it's more treated like a scientific thing. Right. I definitely
1: uh, got vibes of SCP while reading this, even recognizing that it's not the way it goes. For one thing, this thing is not contained in any way.
0: No, and I don't... It's it's um not really containable to begin with.
1: Right, of course.
0: Um, that said, what we will see is that this is a more loose interpretation of what a ghost story is. And again, that's kind of the stories that... Those are the stories that I enjoyed the most, are the ones that really tried to uh, run with the concept more than contain it. Mm-hmm. So that said... What causes the Vicar's litany is entirely unknown to researchers, but its first phase can be fact-checked. In affected areas, the majority of residents un- would undergo a, a mass hysteria, which individuals describe as an aura. The result of this psychological disturbance is evacuation from the premises. One instance of phase one it, uh, was in Spain during the Black Plague in the mid-1990s uh 1349 and mid 1349. I have trouble with numbers. Um the validity of this is debatable on the VLO forms. A more accepted theory states that the panic caused by the um 1938 radio play The War of the Worlds was exaggerated by the Vicar's Litany manifesting in rural New York. So again, this is um taking real life events and trying to link it to this fictional thing that they're coming up with mm-hmm. and saying that this is um you're you're able to fact check this and you are obviously everyone knows about the hysteria caused around the war of the worlds um
1: <laughs> thanks orson wells
0: yeah oh french wine <laughs> <laughs> can, 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 we, can we get a little bit of a drunk Orson Welles in here, David?
1: Sure. I will uh, insert that right here, right now.
2: Ah, the French champagne. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence.
0: Oh, oh, oh he's so good. C'est magnifique. Um, there are two different narrations of um, two different short films about silent snow secret snow which is my favorite um film ever but the black and white one uh is unfortunately better than the later night gallery one with with orson wells narrating it mm. but they're both really good anyway i didn't know there
1: was a night gallery one i'll have to check that one out
0: yeah it has orson wells narrating it that's awesome it's, it's pretty cool the second phase begins with uh, when the remaining population of the zone has lowered to a group of at most 30. The moaning, um, a moaning scream, will then manifest, startling and intriguing all that uh, who hear it. There exists a magnetic audio recording of a 1980s California incident, but this was destroyed before it could be archived. The recording supposedly showed that the scream came from a corner of a thin wall. Once the scream had finished, two individuals undergo a completely a complete personality change, the first of which is known as the bishop because of their outward behavior and their need to convert others. The second is known as the cardinal, who secludes themselves. To date, five cardinals and no bishops, have survived the litany of uh, the Vicar's litany, huh? So, this is where we really get into the like meat and potatoes of the SCP sort of vibe. I like that you can see the timeline is speeding up. So, we have the Black Plague incident, which is the first recorded incident, allegedly, mm-hmm. and then we have. Um, the 19 for almost 1940 and then we have 1980s so these are increasing in frequency as time goes on dramatically mm-hmm. yes and um i like to think that that's
1: dogs and cats living together mass hysteria
0: exactly i like to think that um that the insanity of modern society is driving these things forward mhm um but we still don't have a whole lot of details as to what the litany is we just know that uh, there's a mass hysteria. people leave, and then we get a bishop and a cardinal
1: right and then there's a scream before that that causes some weird stuff to happen, yes. before the cardinal and the bishop are chosen
0: um yep, okay. The longest stretch consists of second and third phases, eliminating uh estimated to be around <laughs> eliminated to be around <laughs> three hours by uh research. The flow of events during these three hours have been demonstrated by uh, as being similar. Most of this knowledge has been established since events in the 1800s where ten survivors collected testimonies near the Sudan-Egypt border. A group of 30 individuals had set up camp to hunt exotic game when the litany started. During the second phase, the bishop of the group, a wealthy man who was a staunch skeptic, menaced... menaced? Yeah, menaced. Menaced the expedition with descriptions of threats and hellish landscapes and suffering, while urging trust trust and vulnerability from all present. The bishop, uh, when the bishop was finished with his ravings, he excused himself to the corner of the camp to uh, close to where the Cardinal was, and began to sing, uh, and began to sing a hollow wordless song. All right. Uh, I'd like there for, for the number of the, the amount of specificity there, we're not getting a whole lot of details. And I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, we know that there was the Bishop. He was a rich man. And he just started going off on these ranting and ravings, and then he began singing a song, almost blue like the the blue creepy pasta a little bit. the the body, the body. Oh, the body, eat the body. Future bo- oh, hey, <laughs> David,
2: Future David, put that in. <laughs> All right, here it is. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. The song, the one we just played, signifies a transition <laughs> into the third phase. Maybe that's it. Maybe these things are correlated. I mean, Sudan, Africa? Right? 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 I mean, yeah. This, Fuck. this, and blue are taking place in the same universe, guys. And <laughs> it's is, this universe. Uh, like, here the we Crime rates in Italy went up.
1: Hyper, oh, you know, hyper could have been aware of this too when the story was written. I'm just saying.
2: Hey everybody, I, does I Vickers Litany phenomenon take place in the same universe as the <laughs> fucking blue <laughs> creeper? Piles? Fuck your game, Derek.
0: Who? <laughs> <laughs> You find out it's a bio-loop box. The song <laughs> signifies anyone, the truth. Has
2: anyone watched an episode recently and seen that that, is, they, that show heralds itself as the smartest show in gaming? That is... That is the, catch, that is the tagline of game theory right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there were a bunch of people who made videos criticizing him, and he responded like a bitch to them.
2: Good.
1: I, mean, I have seen a few things that say that Matt Pat cannot take criticism. Now,
2: rated.
1: yeah, they're, they're called undercooked ra- analysis. <laughs>
0: we say that.
1: Oh, I mean, I only met the guy like a couple times and I don't know.
0: It's true. He can't yeah. take criticism. He's a big bitch. Um, he's a bitch ass motherfucker. God damn um, it. He is that's all there is to it. And um, he, he's responsible for at least one vicar litany. Oh,
1: well, I mean, well.
0: He, he was talking to the Pope, vicar litany, bishop, cardinal, pope. <laughs> right. The song I, signif- I, thought it,
1: I thought it had something to do with the fact that he and Markiplier essentially caused mass hysteria because of FNAF.
0: There's that, too. Right. Um the song signifies a transition into the third phase. In this part of the haunting, the average flora, fauna, and geography of the affected region are replaced. In that hunting trip, one marksman shot down what he believed to be a new species of bird, eager to have shown uh, on roadshows. Upon any sort of inspection, the crew realized that they what they had brought down was not a bird at all, but something that was described as shelled fungal jellyfish, moist, moistly breathing, moistly breathing. That is, those are two disturbing words right next to each other. Yeah. uh, Reminds me of a racer head, actually. The, the weird
1: baby. baby, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Hills, rocks, and river streams appeared and disappeared when out of sight and the orange sky uh, the orange dust sky was taking a sickly yellow appearance. This was the last possible chance for escape. Excuse my burp when seven of the ten survivors no- unknowingly took advantage of what the remain remaining three saw. Haunted them their whole lives, driving to to suicide, so there's some weird grammar stuff there. Mm, um, right. but I really like the description it's it's one part disappearance of Ashley, Kansas, and it it also has um, um made for t v Stephen King kind kind of stuff going on kind of mm-hmm. kind of langolierish, I guess. <laughs>
1: There's no uh, bad CGI meatballs eating the world, though.
0: No. Uh, But that's... I mean, there should be. Hyperthermal. Step your game up. (laughs) Details of the fourth and third phases of the 1800s incident are hazy due to the traumatic effects that they had on three survivors. On three survivors. Yes, I read that right. Prior to the 2006 video footage... All that was known about these phases involved a complete inability to leave the zone, and the fact that uh, the fact that most, if not all, present are slaughtered by the bishop and each other, with not a shred of evidence left behind. So we kind of have the um, oh man, what's the uh, we have the Jack Sparrow problem of. If no one is left behind, then how do we, how do you get the tales out there? If if no evidence is left, then how do we have evidence?
1: Well, you have Michael Bolton.
0: This is the tale, <laughs> the Vicar's litany. <laughs> uh, the footage of the 2006 Vicar litany is in depth at showing the full process of the phenomenon but the lead activists of the VLO refused to upload the video online in any capacity. A synopsis of two and a half hours of footage have been made available to users of their forum. The data was archived by an individual using their Nokia N90. A recorder, known as Subject E, has been reported missing since the date of the event. The transcript begins with E looking into their camera, terrified and in tears. They state their name, date of birth, and an estimated location, though the environment seen behind them was not any location in Nevada, let alone any in the summertime. The location was a swamp-like region. The sky was pitch black with snow visible due to the camera lighting, uh, lighting feature. E then begins to list off what happened prior to the recording. List off what happened prior to the recording. Talking about how they and their friends were finishing up a bonfire party when things started to become strange and unsettling. Listing the screaming and the sudden personality shift of the group's bishop. They start to explain the first of the bishop's murders, getting out the fact that the victim was not resisting. That they that they interrupted, but they were interrupted by an animal growling.
2: By a text message.
0: <laughs> by Only... Michael Bolton. He, he got a text message. I I, re- I really like those films.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Michael. I can't I can't talk to you right now. We're in the middle of this.
0: When are we getting Michael Bolton undercooked analysis? Uh,
1: As soon as he stops singing about Captain Jack Sparrow.
0: No, that's fine. We could just read a uh, Pirates of the Caribbean creepypasta. Oh my god, one of you guys start Googling right now, please. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: Only vague details of the creature can be made out from the footage, but in general form was consisting of with descriptions of reptilian centipede creatures from the California incident in the '80s, the creature chased off, uh, chased e off, for most of the footage until they arrived at a bon at the bonfire site. The bonfire, uh, the fire had been rekindled with the bodies of the visible victims placed in this circle around the blaze. And maybe this is taking influence from the blue creepy pasta. Uh, <laughs> holy shit! I didn't notice that before. Uh, now back to the good part. <laughs> this is the tale. Oh, sorry, man. That's we, we need to get in contact with Hyperthermal and ask uh, ask them if that was intentional.
1: Yeah, I think. Oh man,
0: it's working for me though. Oh yeah, you got. Gotcha. Um, Ah, from this last bit of footage, the bishop and the cardinal were both seen. The former walked into the flames, the latter levitated above them. The cardinal was recognizable because of their face, warped down to what could only be described as their ankle. The general anatomy of the cardinal had become distorted, indicating a metamorphosis during their hiding. Other beings began to approach the bonfire, many were unidentified un- unidentified species of animals but a good amount of human figures were all present as well one notable sported a worn down safari outfit subject e dropped their phone and screamed as they were accosted by other hu- by other human should be another human mm-hmm. um or other humans the din was cut short With a sudden bolt of thunder and lightning, the flash of lightning indicated a sudden change of the environment as the surrounding area had returned to the dry mountainous region the group had set up camp in. The final shot continued for a few minutes until the cell phone ran out of batteries.
1: Now, they said that to this date, five cardinals and no bishops have survived the experience, right? I believe so. So, are the cardinals that come out of this still warped, or what happens? I mean, I guess we can. This this might hopefully explain the rest. We'll see.
0: Yeah, uh, th- there are definitely weird things about this story that don't necessarily make sense. That said, this was by far the 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 most risky story that was written and it gets my second place just for that, you know. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Is it a ghost story, though?
0: um, I, I hesitate to say yes, but I think so. I think what it is doing is really trying to stretch the concept. And again, I think the stories that are most successful are breaking those rules. A lot of the stories that we mentioned as Honorable mentions were, were just as weird of ghost stories as this one,
1: right? But they still um, had, they still kept the concept of like whatever you're dealing with is is some sort of otherworldly entity. Yes, I mean,
0: but this is too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is. This is really, it's really stretching it though. But that, I think. Uh, to be honest, going into this, I I was kind of expecting people to be like, okay, what? When I look back at a ghost story, what is a ghost story to me? Well, someone died and they became a ghost and they're haunting a place, um, or something along those lines. Now, people can. What I liked is that people did get creative with what you think a ghost. What a what do you think a ghost could be, or what a ghostly th- event could be. This counts, but only barely. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, No further pieces of evidence or announcements of new instances of this phenomenon have been made public by the leader of the VLO as of June 19, 2017. Of the 20 main administrators, 12 claimed to be descendants of the founding survivors of the Sudan-Egypt Vicar Litany. Seven of the remainder earned their roles by discovering possible occurrences that have been recorded in history. That leaves the um, most mysterious administrator, Carr Underscore Dealer, a 56-year-old wealthy recluse, who uh, and the only survivor of the 1980s Vicar Litany. Car Dealer used their funds to acquire physical evidence and specimens for others to study and archive. His notable purchases include a taxidermy of an unidentified creature from the 1938 photo of a uh, of the 60s all the evidence from the 1980s Vicar Lindney, and the cell phone from the Nevada uh, 2006 Nevada incident. Other admins have met him in person, but none of them were permitted to see anywhere other than behind uh, his thick bedroom curtains. Okay. So it is uh so it is completely possible that someone came out of this deformed, you know?
1: Right. And it could be that Card Dealer is one of those. Which is yes, why no ca- one ever sees him. Yes. Now, um... It starts ambiguous, it ends ambiguous, rules are established, but even those rules are only kind of understood. No source is identified. Um, and that's fine. Um, yeah,
0: um... But here, like, it doesn't cite sources that could be cited, and it kind of has its its reasons as to why. Um, it's kind of implied that if this thing were made public, it might trigger another Vicar litany to happen, mm-hmm. and they obviously want to avoid that. Right. So, that's that is where they're coming from, I believe, is that if this footage gets out, then... Um, so some sort of phenomenon is causing these things to happen at an accelerated rate and acknowledging those would make it happen quicker I think is what they're yeah. saying don't you think
1: yeah I can see that
0: and it's kind of believable with how I mean it's not because you gotta be skeptical but in story it makes sense as to why you know
1: yeah um, it does. It, it's it's self-contained and it works for what it is in a self-contained way, while still keeping things, um, still keeping things ambiguous and not answering all the questions, which is good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It doesn't. It's not frustrating, like some things can be.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Alright, solid pick, I'd say. Um, but. And then, congratulations again, Hyperthermal. You did you done good work. Uh, you've got you got some good world building going on here. I'd be interested to see if there was more to this, but honestly, as a one shot, I almost think it works better. You know, mm-hmm, yeah. You don't have to like worry about it more beyond this story necessarily. Um. So that wraps that up. So, but we are getting into we are getting pretty far into the recording at this point. So join us. Uh, on the next episode, when we reveal uh, my pick and the uh, winner of the competition. Yeah! Yeah! Um, in the meantime, if you want to follow us on any of our social media or anything like that, uh, you can find me at Scary Sauce on Twitter. You can follow uh, these guys at their respective places, which are.
0: at Dead Palette.
2: Uh, at beast bannon
1: that's with two n's in b-a-n-n-o-n and uh if you want to support the show this one as well as midnight marinara you can check out our patreon we have a shared patreon where we uh where people submit stories our patrons have submitted stories for us to read whatever they want it to be in the choose your poison section we do those every so often I figure, hey, most of you guys already know this if you're a regular listener to the show, but hey, we don't want to eliminate alienate uh, new people. If you're new to this and this is where you're coming in, I'm very sorry. Go back, listen to a few of those, and then come and let us know how you feel. But welcome anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's uh, let's move on, shall
0: we? Shall we? We shall. Uh, cool. Message from Ray Gun Reader Okay, try it now. Is it working yeah, now? It's working. Okay, move over. <clears throat> People of Earth, I am a Abysme. And I'm Paprika. We have crash-landed on a moon in your solar you crashed system. Us. I wasn't Shut driving. up, I'm on the phone. And we'll maintain this frequency while repairs are made. Which could take a while,
1: so we decided to read some science fiction while we wait.
0: If you crave imaginative stories, intelligent discussion, and comedic banter, be sure to tune in each week.
1: Here on Benview or on YouTube at Raygun
0: Readers. Until we speak again, farewell and safe travels. Why are you doing that stupid voice? It's not stupid, you're stupid and insubordinate. You don't rank me! This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenViewNetwork.com